0: Welcome in to another episode of the production line podcast. I'm your host, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And we're Andy list today, unfortunately, but you know, show must go on. Uh, yeah. Fiasco. We, we have uh, some game breakdown of the Red Wings versus Claude Giroux and his merry men. And it went just as expected. And some talk about Verana, possibly some other league notes. Um, But Yeah. First off, quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for betus.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry, BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. And yeah, I mean, this is a pretty big day for betting. So if anyone wants to get in, I mean, this will probably be up before people after after the game, I should say. So this isn't going to do much good, but I'll probably I, I don't know. I'm still debating whether or not I'm going to throw some money on the game or not today. What are you thinking? What are you going to do? It's tough because there's really no there's not that much money in betting the Rams. To be completely honest. Yeah. And the Bengals are just the greater story. but uh matt stafford is my guy matt stafford will not lose it's a hundred percent a lock
1: it's just whether how much they're gonna win by
0: yeah i might bet like something stupid like the coin toss or something <laughs> like i don't know but i'm kind of a coward i don't know i don't know i don't know if I, how i feel about it i kind of i might just want to enjoy the game yeah no i get that i
1: i almost love like matt stafford over 285 and a half yards
0: Oh, definitely. So
1: Actually, I, might, I don't I might, know. Ooh, I might hit that. He's know. gonna he's gonna break some records today. You think so? Yeah, he's gonna climb the board. I was reading like the most passing yards from a QB in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think he'll uh, jump on that board today. It was like the top seven or whatever. I think he could. I think he's gonna crack over three fifty today.
0: Was it Brady versus Atlanta? Like, what, uh, Brady had five hundred
1: in one of them, and then four hundred like seventy. And so he was oh. the top two, yeah. But, but
0: I, I think Joe Burrow can make his way back another year. Matt, it's Matt Stafford. Matt. I, I want Matt Stafford to win. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the the like in Detroit, like the Detroit Rams shirts. I hate it. I don't like those at all. It's I he's
1: weird. It's really cringy. It's
0: like just I don't just buy like,
1: just buy a Rams. Like, yeah yeah Jersey. like
0: yeah. If you want to support Stafford on your own, like for his new team, I think that's great. Like. Mm-hmm. Like if if there was a Red Wing, you know, like that. If the Red Wings weren't in the similar situation as the Lions in the sense they were never going to be good, like and Buffalo. like let's say, yeah, let's say if like Dylan Larkin left, and like he didn't really want to leave, but like it was for his the best, I would support Dylan Larkin. Cause that'd be the equivalent, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, but obviously the Red Wings are a different scenario. But yeah, so I don't like those Detroit Rams shirts at all. Well, it's those just
1: pretty... it's weird because the Lions fans. We, we really don't have anything else to be excited about besides Stafford. Yeah. So, like you said, it would be equivalent to, like, Buffalo and Jack Eichel leaving. Like, but
0: mm-hmm. that one was
1: more sour than Stafford leaving, I would say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, let's uh let's get into this breakdown of two games versus the Flyers. Kind of a rarity in, like, the NHL to play, like, back-to-back games against the same team. Uh, yeah, except last year. Except last year, obviously, but, like, in a normal year, war we're right? – Sort of in, um, but yeah. Uh, I was not sure the Red Wings hadn't won a game in Philadelphia in reg- regular like uh, regular season in regulation since 1997. Yep. Um, and I didn't know how I was. going to. I was like, this could be a really good chance for Philadelphia to get right, considering they're in such shambles. But no, they're they're really bad, and the Red Wings won six to three. Uh, Ndalkovich versus Hart. And it was a really good game of who could stop the puck less.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a big advocate for Carter Hart going into the season last year. Um, he was part of the reason I actually thought the Flyers were a dark horse to win the Stanley Cup. And they didn't make the playoffs. And partly due to him and his lack of defense. But he played horrible last year. And I... To be honest, I've watched maybe three fires games this year because they're not even fun to watch, or I enjoyed no. watching them. I usually enjoy watching them because I like Drew and Van Riemsdayk, but he took a step back or six. Um, <laughs> but Carter Hart is horrible.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I mentioned, but the other, did I say the score was 6-3? I might have. Uh, I, I don't, don't remember. remember. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the running. Uh, yeah, big performances from basically, uh, basically the whole team offensively. Um, but yeah, like I think the goal that was really bad for Carter Hart was uh, like against Carter Hart. Like he definitely should have had it. Was the Robbie Fabry, the one right through him? <laughs> yeah, oh, that was so bad. Um, really good play though. Like Cider um, stretches, hits Suter, and then um, Fabry goes towards the net, and it's an easy pass and then shot. Really no coverage on defense philadelphia's defense is really bad but this game was really it was something because the first uh at least yeah the first two red wing goals were immediately responded by by philadelphia in 20 seconds
1: yeah it was goofy
0: yeah so the lark it was larkin on the power play off of Provorov, which was a weird one because it went to bertuzzi and then went back to larkin halfway through the game is like nobody knew who scored and then it was Zach McEwen who 20 seconds after shot it, but then it went off Isaac Radcliffe. Um I I do not know, like I, I don't know what to like I know Zach McEwen's like a tough guy, but I don't know, I kind of liked his game. I do too. I was literally I was when I was
1: watching, I was I actually was very into his game. He makes a lot yeah. happen for being a tough guy.
0: Yeah, like He's got some speed on him, and then like I know the shift, like it was like the shift after the red wings, or he tied it, like the Flyers tied it up. He did he got the assist on it, but he had like three shots, one shift, and I was like, whole oh, Wings are doing a really good job trying to blow this game. Yeah.
1: No, I uh, thought that their fourth line was their best line. Yeah. McEwen, McEwen might have been their best forward that game. And I like
0: stretching. that. I like that Max Wilman too. He had a couple uh, yes, good chances. He had a
1: couple of good ones too. I'm just—I um, don't know. I haven't seen much from him besides that game, so. Well, he's an AHL guy. He's just called yeah. up because of
0: all the injuries. And- when he has played, though, I mean, yeah, I thought he looked good in this game, though. Um, yeah. Right after we get a, we got a uh, Lucas Raymond goal, which first one in nine games, which is kind of crazy to me. I don't know. I, I they, it feels like they're not as far apart, but then also it does. But he's just yeah. playing so well, you kind of like forget about. It. He's like on a cold streak, right? Um, really good for like really good movement, um, going into the zone. And then, um, obviously Zadina is right there too, to almost clean up that rebound. And Raymond puts in his own rebound. And again, this is defense, not recovering on that for Philly. Like that, sh- that goal shouldn't happen, but I mean, kudos to Raymond. Yeah. And then I'm trying to remember it was, yeah, it was Sanheim. That was 25 seconds after this one. I really, I like Travis Sanheim too. I, I do too. Say. He's solid. Claude Route um, fed it up. Uh Mark Stahl kind of broke down the shot lane, but that's one Ned probably should have. Short side. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this game, it's kind of the game. It was like two two halfway through the first period. I'm pretty sure. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but yeah, like overall, like going through the rest of the game here. Um we had some great cider moments. I mean, we could go. I could talk all day about that thirty second PK shift or the thirty second sequence on the PK shift. Yeah, that was
1: that was ridiculous.
0: Uh, so cider takes the puck from his defensive end on the penalty kill, takes it all the way into the Flyers' offensive zone where he has three three or four guys on him, and nobody can take him off the puck. He ends up back with it. I think he did hold Drew's stick. I'm pretty sure at one point, and like he got it back, so that helped. And but I'm not, you know, whatever. He still got ended up with it. And took it all the way back. It really reminded me of... It reminded me of, like, squirts when, like, you were told, like, in the penalty kill, just, like, hold on to it and skate in circles as, like, a kid. Because, like, players aren't smart enough to get it back from you, and also you can't really play the body. I think I did that in Spring League one time. I did, like, laps, and it was really bad. It was really funny. I'm not comparing... Yeah, you know what? I am comparing myself to cider. We're very similar players. You're a little bit better. A little bit better. But, like, just the the poise of that and... (laughs) He never fa- fails to amaze me Uh to assist this game, too. We played over 22 minutes. I don't know. Like, it's just like he keeps getting better and better. Yes. Uh
1: I hate to like shit on your parade, but it was against the Flyers. <laughs> no, like you could just see how defeated they were on that penalty kill shift. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was embarrassing Like to be on that team or on that first unit. Like, that was – it reminded me of when Marsh ended the same thing for the Red Wings a couple weeks ago where he, he – li- it was almost yeah. identical except yeah. he was more involved pushing the net where Cider mm-hmm. was just teasing. killing Yeah, he was kind of killing time. Yeah.
0: No, but, like, still the ability to be able to do that. like I know it's oh, yeah. The, it's against the no, Flyers, I, I, but it's still crazy.
1: It takes a crazy amount of confidence to be able to even
0: try doing that. But, yeah, I, I mean – the finally, to the NHL tweets about more Sider, So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, Calder question mark. I, I, there was a, after the Raymond goal, there was a tweet about, it was like persistence by Lucas Raymond. And, and like, I clicked on the, con- like the, the replies and it's just a bunch of red wings commenting. Like, Oh, he didn't do the flippy puck thing. Yeah. It was really funny. Um, Yeah. So the new top six, Uh, what are your thoughts from it after this, after this game? Uh, I had said a
1: while back that Zadina should get a trial. And if that doesn't work out, something needs to change because that should spark offense for him and give him a little more confidence. Cause he can just watch Larkin push the pace and then play play with Raymond. And Raymond makes things so simple for his linemates. And like that's I credit Raymond to most of Larkin's bounce back year. A lot of it goes to Raymond to be honest. um, Makes things so much easier for Larkin because he's so good at
0: puck possession. Yeah. No, you can really see, like, Raymond not being a big guy, his body positioning is so, is so, like, above, like, where most 19-year-olds are at. Like, he's able to use his, use his ass a little bit and, like, get in the way of people and just, like, make it, like, for his size that he's not getting pushed off pucks too much. I think early on in the season, he was still getting used to it. I think there was a couple of plays where he was getting bullied a little bit off of He pucks, was, but, like, Re- more recently i've noticed like he's gotten a lot better at it his first step out of a
1: crossover is so good too where yeah. it gives him such a big leap over it, a guy yeah. that's pressuring him
0: yeah he's not fast but he's quick
1: well i don't i don't know if you really pay attention but like i said his first step off of a crossover it's yeah. so quick and he gains almost two strides on a guy after doing it right and then presses towards the net
0: yep um but yeah, like I, there was a one play I really like. Thought I'm like, oh, man, Zadina probably like. It was such a sweet setup. It was Raymond from behind the net up to Zadina, and Zadina like got, he shot it really quick. It was a really quick release, and it was just a good save. But um, yeah, it was definitely the top line. But uh, I think the bigger story was the Guelph line in this game again, coming up big. Um, we already <sighs> talked about the Robbie Fabry goal, but uh, Pugh Suter, that was like a 50 second shift in the offensive zone where the Red Wings just bullied the Flyers. It was all like Bertuzzi and Bertuzzi and Fabry. Like I've also been surprised by Fabry, how well he's able to control the puck in the offensive zone. Like Bertuzzi's always been a dog and like on the puck, and he's like under really underrated for how well he can keep a puck on his stick. And like where you think you're you're like guaranteed, to, you're like oh he's gonna lose it here, he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a really nice play up from behind the net for Fabry to find Suter, and Suter Suter has a sneaky quick release. It was a perfect shot right down, like, on under the block or over the pad, which is where you're t- told to shoot. It was a nice play. Also, Mark Stahl in front, too, causing mayhem. And I wanted to mention, I don't know if you saw – I think I – did I send this to you? It was, like, the the game score. Uh, You know, like, that chart that I sent you about Cider when they played Pittsburgh, and he was, like, the best player on the ice? Yeah. So there was, there was the game score for this game. And Mark Stahl was, like, the worst player defensively and also the best defenseman offensively. So he was just the agent of chaos this game, um, because he was. I think he was out for all three flyers goals again, like all three flyers goals. But then he was like a plus one, I think. <laughs> oh, I would awesome. like to give I would I would like to give Stahl some credit though, because I really love how active he is on the blue line to like pinch up and keep possession. I don't know if you noticed, like when the Red yeah. have their best possession shifts in the offensive zone, oftentimes like. It's either cider or stall.
1: It is because they are so good at keeping a puck in the zone. Like yeah. the way I don't know that our power play is sparked by cider being able to keep whole pucks in the zone. It's amazing watching him work.
0: Yeah, we're gonna talk about the power play pinch. after the second game, but the way yeah. they
1: the way he can pinch and stuff, and then also stallsy, like holding pucks in the zone. He's a he's awesome at it.
0: Yeah. Um I mean, if he gets past him, you're screwed because he's, oh, yeah. he's not going he's to catch it. Way too slow. He's almost as having slow a, as DK. I was talking to with Dad about this today. I was like, yeah, Mark Saul just needs the right partner, and he's very useful. And, like, I don't think that's Philip Hironic.
1: I don't think so either.
0: And we can talk about Hironic here. So, I mean, Horonic after this game, got put on COVID protocol, but he's a dash three as well as game. And... Like we had, I think I talked, I think Andy and I like we're talking about like his comparisons and I kind of compared him to Jake Gardner. And I'm like, I think like more and more I watch him, like I kind of see it where I don't, I'm a little bit worried about his defensive game at this point.
1: That's my question. Is he more hurtful than helpful? So if it, if you're getting into the bigger conversation here, Horonic is a guy that. I don't see more useful than a PP2 guy that I I honestly don't know like what what there is to his game that we are in need of to be honest cuz we we have reliability on defense on in some players like right now I believe Cider Lindstrom uh stall is reliable enough right now letty Letty's fine enough, Stetcher. But after that, like, Osterly's kind of a wild card. I guess you could say Letty's a wild card, but Letty and Heronic are kind of in the same aspect, and Letty's better than Hironik.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then also DeKaiser's just trash. So I don't know if that's something you need to look for because a guy like Albert Johansson is going to bring the same qualities offensively, and he's younger and he can develop more.
0: Yeah, his defense at this point is still like, we don't know how what it's going to be up like in the, the NHL. Air. Right, it's potential, right? Like, you're going to bet on potential. And you can look at it also from the sense of, like, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of guys you look at coming up, like, Booyah, uh, McIsaac, all of that. There's a, um, We
1: have but, a lot. But
0: also, you look at, like, offensively on a power play, like, where are you going to fit him? Where are going to fit Hronik. You have Jacob Vrana who's coming back, uh, Bergen for the future, Soderblom for the future. There's it, it just comes into question, like where you're actually gonna where he's gonna be useful because, like, you can have an offensive defenseman that in the lineup that plays fifth or six D and then plays 13 to 14 minutes a night and is strictly a power play guy. I mean, Keith Yandel's been that the past whatever how many years of his career, right? Yeah, I would say Keith Yandel's more efficient on the power play than Haronic is, though. Oh, That's... yeah, definitely. I would say, I mean, I, I think Haronic's better defensively than Yandel. Let's not get a twist. Yes. It. He's still fine enough defensively, but I mean, he's like one of the worst defensive players in the Red Wings. Like, and that's saying something. Um, I know there was a, the rumored like trade going around, like not a rumored trade, but like a fan proposed trade for like Konechny for Hironic. And I think that'd be the most Philly trade of all time.
1: Yeah. I feel like they just have way too many um, defense. And right. Like they have kind of abundance of, Right hand, I guess maybe not. You know, Ellison, and Ellis has been hurt all season. I guess Justin
0: Bronzy, Justin Bronzy, UFA. I guess that's just kind of a dumb trade for them. I don't know. I mean, do you realize who their general manager is? Yeah,
1: but still. Do you
0: know to Do you want know he, you know he said in the media the other day? No. He wants to sign Rasmus Ristlinan to an extension.
1: Oh, I did see that. Never
0: mind. So I, I don't know. I feel like that'd be the perfect opportunity for Steve Eisman if, if, if he's deemed that where horonic fits in because Horonic's on a, a reasonable contract and he's still controlled after his contract's done, excuse me, in RFA still. So that team comes with a lot of team control, which at a team control... Oh, that was really loud. Sorry for people listening, but... Um... <laughs> that was embarrassing. Uh, but like anyway, like he's on team control, which comes with value, and RFA, which it's just... That's, I think, three more years after this of team control. Which is, it's not a rental, right? And I know, like, the trademark right now for people, like, I know Elliot Freeman reported that it's a first and a third people are asking for for rental defensemen. Because that's what David Savard got last year. So, like, I don't know if that's what Eisman's asking for Nick Letty, but, I mean, you can ask for more than that, theoretically, for Ronit, because he's got that many more years. On yeah. Control.
1: I just don't know if people will see a whole lot in his game that they want, because I really don't know that. If there's any contenders or even playoff teams that think he's of value, unless they really have a hole in their power play, that they think like his shot could be really useful because he has a he has a cannon.
0: Oh, he's a cannon, yeah. And again, like there's still like I I I like Horanek. I hope he can figure it out defensively. But this is a conversation we've been having the past two years of his defensive ability for sure. Um, I'm definitely gonna do. I mean, I'm going I'm gonna have an article going about. The topic we're going to touch on in the end of the podcast, but I'm also going to talk about Heronix game and if it's something we should be worried about. And at this point, I am worried. And what options the Red Wings have moving forward, which we just kind of laid out, because all about finding the right role for him. And you're not going to get that PP one minutes anymore because I, I really
1: don't think there
0: is a right role
1: for him here in Detroit. No, I think he's he's one that look forward to be moved on. For in the next coming, years. I definitely think
0: he's a dark, I think I think he's a dark horse for the trade deadline this year.
1: Yeah, because
0: that's a move you're going to bring in a lot of assets, or not not a lot. I mean, it's probably down a little bit, but good enough. Good enough. Send, I mean, send him to Vancouver. We'll take one, we'll take Brock Besser. Honestly, that'd be a actually. Well, Jim Benning's not in charge anymore. Yeah, they actually have some competent people in, in charge now.
1: Yeah, so that's not going to happen. But that'd um, be cool. They should rehire
0: Benning. They they should just for the trade deadline and free agency. Oh, you know what's going to happen? He's going to go to Edmonton. Mm. Ken Holland. Ken Holland picked him. Man, what can we finesse? Jesse you know, Pulleyrv.
1: Jesse Pulleyrv.
0: Do you know what Ken Holland did say? Their biggest want right now is a top four right-handed defenseman. <laughs> I think we found it. Oh, dude. who are we getting back? Who are we getting? Back? Jesse Pulleyrv. <laughs> Philip Broberg. Yeah, Broberg or Jesse Pulleyrv. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Pulley Probably going to make. Good. I don't think they're going to touch the forwards. They're going to. I think it'd be Broberg. I think would be the the guy coming back. You think?
1: I think so. I don't. He said he doesn't want to give up prospects though or picks. What are you going to give up then, Ken? How I don't know. Up? I. Do, well, he also said that you can't win a game five to four.
0: But, well, quite literally, you can, Ken. That is little legitimately a score that happens in hockey. And it happens all the time with the Oilers. Didn't they beat the Rangers five yeah. four earlier this year? when yeah, mcd I, scored that sick goal yeah he's ridiculous but i, I think know. we did i think we just found where heronix going is is edmonton dude watch out we're all talking about philly but I, yeah I, th- I think it's going to be edmonton awesome yeah all right <laughs> that's so funny well yeah uh so yeah the red wings played again uh yesterday afternoon saturday afternoon i should say people are gonna listen to this probably on monday um another couple things before i get into that um raymond now six most points by red wings rookie since 1987 1988 which is crazy Very um cool. yeah so yeah ronick and COVID protocol and there was uh ronoff was called up and there was some question whether or not um Stetcher would be ready he was in a uh, full contact jersey in practice i think as soon as like wednesday so there's some question whether or not he's gonna travel to philly for the first game but he didn't he ended up being ready to go and man stetcher and Stall back together which was honestly like the red wings best defensive pairing last year yeah and they looked good i i i liked it i i love troy stetcher i think he's a guy that's gotten like a really bad like this year especially like i think he should have been playing a lot more I think people people kind of look at him differently, I guess, in a the sense there shouldn't be. He's a very usable like fifth defenseman, in my opinion. I agree. He's a he's the perfect defenseman partner for Mark Stahl. In a sense, he's quick and he's very sound defensively, where Mark Stahl, I guess, is now the agent of chaos and likes to roam a little bit. And it's I, which I didn't expect to say about Mark Stahl when we first traded for him. I thought he was gonna be the boring stay at home, like get burnt occasionally. He likes to hop into plays in the Ozone, and it's hilarious. Very very random. I love him shooting. It's so funny. Me too. He
1: gets, like, he'll just pop up in the slot, and someone will find it for a one-timer. That's why I think Lindstrom did so well with him, and I think Stahl actually helped Lindstrom's game quite a bit, and I think that's why Stetcher and Lindy are both good for Stahl. He he struggled a little bit with Horonic, like you said.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, like, I know we've had a conversation before this year on whether – where Stetcher fits in the lineup because I mean, obviously it was before Horonic had the issues, but I mean, I still think Horonic on this, on this team is still diver- deserving of a, in the top six, like he's still like, in, in the roster, but I think Troy Stetcher should be in over DeKaiser and or Australia. I know we, I know you said something how you don't like having four right-handed defensemen, but we play four left-handed defensemen often. Yeah. So I think Stetcher, like I think Stetcher could be a really good fit for, for a heronic even as well, if if you want to have want to try heronic a little bit, like off the leash a little bit, and let him jump into plays a little bit more, because like heronic. I should like touch on heroic more, like what he does good. Because we're kind of just negative, he is good in jumping into plays. Yeah, he and, is. And shoot, it. he's a good shot. Uh, power play, he could be better. He needs to shoot. I think his shot selection on the power play needs to be a lot better. Uh, but like a five on five, like he's good in jumping the play and stuff, and he. He makes a good exit pass every now and again. He is good at jumping in the play, but a lot of it's – a lot of errors while jumping in the play. He picks
1: like a right time and then he'll fuck it up. Oops, my bad. But he'll mess it up. Uh, He – a lot of times he just has no hands at all and then he'll just lose it. So that's kind of tough to watch and terrible shot selection all the time. I don't know. There's just I feel like I'm just bashing heroic this episode, but
0: yeah, no, I'm trying to like say some good things, but like he definitely there's a lot of negatives to his game currently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think Stetcher should be in for DeKaiser anyway. Like I think Stetcher is a good defenseman. He looked good this game. Um, but yeah, Guelph line continued again. That play uh from Bertuzzi or from Fabry to Bertuzzi again. Amazing another good like zone zone entry that leads to zone possession, which is the biggest like issue for the Red Wings is like getting like this year. One of the biggest issues offensively has been getting into the zone and actually getting zone entry and doing something with the zone entry. Like we have and, guys that can like dumping and chasing is all fun in games, but like nobody's getting it back.
1: And that's what I've noticed more and more with these line changes is possession with Bertuzzi's line now, the Guelph line, they possess the puck most of the game that they're on the ice, which is really good. And they just outworked them. I know it was Philadelphia, but they really did not generate anything against this line. Hey,
0: someone's got to win. You know what I mean? Like someone's yeah. got to win the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the first line, this game got into it. Oh, I, sh- I should mention the ratings won 4-2. I did not say that off the start. Carter Hart again. Uh, and we'll get into the goaltending more, but um, yeah, top six all around. I mean, Philip Zadina. welcome back to the score sheet, my man. Uh, four points last six games, and his confidence is just is night and day. Yeah, uh, like, I really love that play. I mean, Grice made a really big save to start. They start that play, and then Larkin came up with it and took it end to end. Which again, that's one of Larkin's best qualities as a player is able to like drive into his own and create something. Because as he gets the puck poked off his stick, Zadina is able to get it and did not stick handle, which is a huge thing of his issue. Where sometimes he do- he stick handles right before he shoots and he gets the puck poked off. Just he grabbed it and shot it, and it really good shot. Well, I think like lately,
1: I've been feeling that. On the third line, he's been really starting to roam around in the zone and finding speed and trying to find slots, but he hasn't been able to five on five. where But he's possessing the puck well. And then this recent bump to the first line, he's, I feel that it's helping him realize, because his struggles have always been on five on five in the NHL. I think he's realizing finally how much time there is, or better realizing, with playing with Larkin and Raymond and he can adjust better to the time because they give him so much more space because they're so good with the puck. And so that's going to give him more freedom to shoot in better spots. That's why that goal happened is because of Larkin.
0: Yeah, I think also like Blashill when he made the switch to have Zadine on the third line, initially he's like, well, Zadine's going to have more space for how much space that Rasmussen and Ernie create. And I, that's kind of true physically, but also not necessarily when you play against a good team. They can work around physical players. What creates the real space is a guy like Lucas Raymond, yep. who draws attention while with puck possession away from other players and towards him, is able to give and go. And Zadina is now having more opportunity to shoot, right? Yeah. And I think that's like the biggest thing. And you pointed that out when you saw them play, like before the line lineup was changed, you were talking about how much space Zadina had when he was playing up with Raymond. And it's because it's and, L- and Luke, and I should say Larkin as well. Like Larkin is able to drive speed and bring attention to himself with speed. And like his play, Dylan Larkin's play should not be underappreciated here. I mean, he's uh, 12th in leagues or 13th in league scoring, excuse me. Yeah. 49 points. He's been amazing. Which is
1: ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah, we can talk about uh, goaltending. Thomas Grice's first game in over a month. Which is pretty crazy. I think the last one was against January 19th against Anaheim before this one.
1: Such he a long shaky time. that
0: game. He looked bad that game. He was on a really rough stretch before that. And this game he comes back and it was almost like he almost got that mental rest. And he looked really good. I mean, besides one goal, I should say, but he looked good. He made he some good. huge saves. I mean, if you know anything about Grice,
1: you gotta expect a leaker like that every once in a while. Yep. You know how we were just talking about that uh, seven to six game with the Islanders and Red Wings? Mm-hmm. I watched the highlights back of that game, and because I was trying to remember it, if I watched that game or not, but I did, I do remember watching that game, and uh, I can't remember who scored it, might have been Darren Helm, but it was a shot right in Grice's gut, and it just leaked right through Grice, and then Helm just like blew past behind the net and just it was right there, and the puck was just yeah. there. It was the same thing that just happened this game. So it was like yep. uncanny that that just happened.
0: So yeah, it was just connect. It was that. connecting that shot at then Lawton put in the rebound, right? Yeah, it was. It was a
1: horrible goal,
0: but yeah, I after he made probably
1: five or six point blank saves that were like crazy good saves. The, uh, the one, one,
0: yeah, I was gonna say that the JVR one where he, JVR is alone in front of the power play. JVR pulls back to his backhand, but doesn't get, pull it back far enough. Grice makes a really good skate save. Then JVR pulls it up for the rebound, flips it over him, and Grice sticks up the leg and kicks it out. Really good stuff. He had another breakaway save as well on there, uh, where Stahl took a penalty for, like, the hook on the hands. Yeah. But, yeah, no, Grice played really well. I I think he was trying to think. uh, I think he was 32 for 34, I want to say. Exactly. Yeah, I nailed that. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, great game. And, again, this is something Nedeljkovic needed Is a guy that takes some pressure off of – his playing time, like, I mean, with the schedule right now where it's split up, like you can you can run Ned for the amount of time. But like when we start getting the heavy heaviness of like next cup, like over, I like think in two weeks or so when we get back to like a more of a normal schedule after Febu- out of February, I just don't know that that should be
1: our option right now or what we should roll with. It's just Ned. Ned, Ned hasn't been playing good. I th- I think you go back to Grice right away. Do you think you play Grice against Minnesota? I would really i don't, i don't know if i would i
0: don't
1: know I, I would i'd give um ned another day off and then play ned the next game and just like work. just like here you've been bad i'm going to roll grice after a good game but i Makes don't think sense. that's i don't think that's what they will do
0: i don't think so either i i, I get your saying and i don't know we'll see i i mean ultimately it's a obviously i don't mean that grice
1: should be the starter i obviously ned's the starter no no
0: no, no, no. yeah yeah i'm just trying I to say
1: him, yeah. uh it maybe that keeps Grice hot. Remember last year when he was so hot? Yeah, around this time
0: he got really hot. Yep. Hey, just in time to get traded with Veronica to Edmonton. Damn, nah, <laughs> there it is. There's their starting goalie.
1: L- listen, listen, he's 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 with his German guy now, but he's going to play with his German guy in
0: Edmonton. Uh, I, I mean, you just think, think about it like if he gets as hot as he was for the Red Wings at the end of the season, like Edmonton could go on a run. Yeah, <laughs> it's a legitimate thing. I'll take back Miko Koskinen's contract. I don't care. Yeah, when and they give us more, give uh, us more stuff. Well, I mean, Miko Koskinen has a better save percentage than Thomas Grice this season, but it's okay. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, I also want to talk about the third line a little bit. Um, I've had my pro. I've had my issues with them throughout the season. That's well documented. If anyone listens to this regularly, um. Man, how might say this nicely? I've thought Adam Ernie sucked this year for the most part. He's been pretty bad. And I in the first period he made one play and I'm like, great, he's gonna have another garbage game. Chalk it up. I literally made a note of it. And then all of a sudden, Adam Ernie was the best player on that line. Like this game. I thought he was really active in the four check. Uh, he made a really couple big like big hits that he need to come up with the possession, which is big. You can hit someone all you want, but it doesn't matter unless you come up with the possession. Well, especially like a guy
1: like Provorov that's going to be playing the whole game. That's one guy you should be hitting as much yep. as possible every time he touches a puck. Time out even more. I thought Adam Ernie used his feet and his speed for the first time every shift in forever. Every shift he was flying. When has that happened mm-hmm. since last year? Yeah, he, he takes shifts off all the time, and then this is the first game that I've seen him buzzing every game. So that makes me know that he can do the do this every game. That's
0: what's that's what's frustrating.
1: Yeah. It's
0: extremely frustrating. Um, but, yeah, him and Rasmussen, I thought, like, played really well. Like, they both play really well off the cycle. I think Rasmussen, honestly, the past couple of weeks, I've actually liked Rasmussen's game. He's played better and better. It's just
1: when Ernie plays better, Rasmussen plays better. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I've noticed that quite a bit. Uh, he needs one line mate going or he's looks the worst
0: in the line. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's a really good combat. Like I like that, which it's true. Uh, but there was a play with like, Ernie had a really good, was buzzing a little bit. And then, uh, Rasmussen drove the zone wide and then Ernie was going middle towards the, um, near post and Rasmussen hit, uh, Ernie for a pass and Ernie got a quick shot off. And it was a really good chance. Um again, it's just little things like that where like that line can be useful with a quick chance like that. There was also a big hit and Ernie comes out with the puck and feeds stall in front, but Stahl is not a shooter. He buries it right in the heart. Again, like another really good setup. That's it's a guy if like Philip is on that line, he's in the slot there. Might be a goal. Yeah. Right. Uh, but no, Ernie, I've yeah, past couple of games, I've really liked Ernie. No, actually, I not no, not past couple. I should say this game. I was more <laughs> yep. so. Um also yeah.
1: I have recently really liked our fourth line too. Joe oh, Valero. yeah. I wanted to talk. Yeah, Joe Valenos playing really, really good right now. Uh, whether it's just using his speed and jumping into plays, but starting line rushes based like almost like the way Larkin starts line rushes. Uh it's very nice to see. I think it was Giovanni scored off the line rush in the six to three game yep. from a yep. play from Valeno. I forgot Valero. to mention that. But, and that was just really nice. And Giovanni really plays a lot better when Joe is moving his feet too. It gives Giovanni more room. And he's actually not horrible with the puck when he has room. I think he plays better with better players. So when Joe V is playing good, it makes Giovanni play better. And Gagne has been better than he has been recently too, I think.
0: Yeah, like that line has an interesting mix of, so Volano has that speed and ability to get his zone entry where, and Giovanni's really improved his forechecking and get and retrieving a puck back. He has like especially against Philadelphia. I know you mentioned it with like uh, the Justin. I know like we talked about before the Justin Braun play, where I mean okay. Philadelphia is yeah. be- beaten down. And I mean that's after the play, but I mean after the period. Ends. I still
1: wanted to jump into that a bit. I mean the the usage of Giovanni right now being a bully against a team that is dismantled in shambles essentially he threw that hit as, as the buzzer was going on justin braun and the only person that did anything i know it's Giovanni and he's probably intimidating only player that did anything was justin braun everyone else just stood there like they're not even a team Yep. It's a, jo- it's a joke right now so just step on their throats even more is what Giovanni was
0: doing like and he's laughing too he loved that he just he just laughs and it's awesome and I know Jeff Blashell's mentioned, like, uh, when asked about Javon, it was this week, I think, it was in a press conference, but he was asked about why he's been more useful, and, well, Jeff's like, well, he's staying out of the box more, and it's not necessarily the penalties, for that's physical, that they, like, they, they'll take those on kilos all day, but it's when he's getting those hooky calls, and then also, like, the stupid stuff after the whistle. Because he's I know that too one slow. Was, that one yeah. was after
1: the whistle, but I don't think. Yeah, I know,
0: but it's different, it's different. That you know? one's different. He's talking about like the stupid ones you're just in a pushing match and you go too far and you get a penalty that way. Yeah. Which I, I get completely. But yeah, and like obviously in play, like Giovanni's finishing his checks and like Joe Valeno's able to come up with a possession. And Which then is... Gagne, and Gagne is very smart positionally and able to find spots. I mean, he's not offensively, he still has the mind, but he just can't do it. Yep. And he still has a lot of value to this team, whether it be off the ice or penalty killing. He just needs to find his role five on five. And with these two, I think Gagne has improved a lot as well.
1: I agree. I've just really liked Giovanni's play in the last couple of weeks. And a lot of it has to do with
0: Valeno's play getting a lot better. And we might get to see uh, Jamel and Giovanni next game, depending if how Namesta is doing. Because he was not practicing today, and it sounds like it's questionable. So Valenno play it was up with the third line, which again, that's that's an easy, um, that's a good sw- swap. That'd yep. be what I would have done as well.
1: And nah, not what I would have done. No, no, I'm
0: going to the AHL. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing You're a, a burger. burger in. So you would have you would have kept scratching scratching the Jamel. Yeah, I'm. Kidding. I think you need to get out. I'm kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah. that would have been the fun answer. Actually, it is a no fun answer.
1: I, for- I don't know if it is. I really want to see the Smith brothers play together. Yeah, we, I'm excited to see if that happens tomorrow. And, if, and um, if it's bad tomorrow night, it's only one game.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, uh, finish off this game. I want to talk about uh, Mr. Moritz Cider. Man, that we, were talking, we We alluded to how much the power play has changed with Cider recently. I mean, the Red Wings are up to 26th in the league, which doesn't. It's not that impressive, but they were 30th for a long time. 17 percent. Uh, which is again like since Blashel's been coached that's one of their highest. As so like I think the highest was like eighteen something. Okay. His first year, which is saying something. So it's improving. Um, and a little advice from uh the the executive VP or no not not um VP of hockey ops, excuse me. Nick Lidstrom gave to Sider recently it was you need to shoot more on the power play. Well, I don't and, think it was just in the power play, I think it was in general. And what's he doing now? He's shooting more. And You saw in that power play, um Raymond set up Cider for a one timer. He just missed the net. Like it was it was a really hard shot. Low too, perfect shot. Yeah, Larkin gets it back, goes that was, up the side. That up. was a
1: really good puck retrieval by Larkin too, to be that yep. quick to jump on that.
0: Yeah, and then uh cider like pauses for just for a split second, then drags pulls junction. Perfect shot. That is the perfect shot. You can't get any. You Can't get any more perfect. So, can't get more perfect.
1: A couple of things I want to point out here that has been so good on our first unit. Our second unit's been garbage. So I didn't have to talk about them. But no our first unit, you have three guys. Well, two that are down low, and then Larkin on that that wall. Those three guys are so good at puck retrievals. Like Bertuzzi and Fabry, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like they almost win every puck retrieval. And Larkin is really good at jumping down. Raymond needs to get a little bit better at it. But Raymond almost stays more up, which is fine. He's really good on top. And then Bertuzzi's screening. There's been a couple goals this year where the goalie cannot see anything. Do you remember the goal that Suter scored against Chicago?
0: Yes. Yeah. It
1: wasn't a great shot, but Bertuzzi was untouched in front of the net for 10 seconds. And Flurry couldn't see a thing. And this shot, I don't know if you really watched the screen. Yeah, he was – no way. A, that was a rocket, and Burt just stood there right in front of the goal. Like, yeah. Hart couldn't see anything, and that was a mm. perfectly placed shot. That was literally junction in. But this – what Linds, what Lindstrom had said about Sider shooting the puck more, you watch defensemen like Kale McCarr. Like, what do they do? Why do they have so many points? They're shooting the puck. And Sider has a lot of points this year already without him – Using those opportunities to shoot, and he uh, Nick said basically, you don't get all these opportun- opportunities very often. You need to take advantage of them to shoot the puck. Yeah.
0: Now he's uh, yeah. So with with this goal, he's now tied with Anton Lundell for third in rookie scoring. He's thirteenth in NHL defensive scoring. Which is just there's no
1: way like you just can't not give him the Calder. He's gonna get Norris votes. Yeah, uh,
0: he'll, I he'll there's get a, fifth, there's a fifth place, fifth place. North vote. So there's a possibility say. he will. No, I think he will. I think he's gonna get a couple, and he's gonna end up like tenth in voting. I'm I'm counting. I'm guessing it right now.
1: It depends how good the rest of the season goes for the Red Wings and him, because he's really fast tracked the Red Wings movement right now. And man, having a defenseman like that is
0: so nice. Um, it changes it changes the outlook like monumentally for the Red Wings having a defenseman that can play like this because he's able to generate offense from the back end, which well, to a rate we weren't expecting. And then it's
1: scary if Edvinson can come in next year or the year after that and do similar things.
0: Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be as good offensively as Cider. That's my well, question.
1: Five on five since a freak offensively. Well, so I'm set,
0: transition and stuff like that, like in down low and able to set up plays. It'll be interesting to see the adjustment because I mean the system that for and Detroit play are completely
1: different. He's never really been a he's never really been tried. I know he, they tried him a little bit in Ferlanda on as quarterback, but they didn't really like the fit. They saw better fits. So I don't know if he'll ever I would like to see him get a shot at quarterbacking a second unit in Detroit. I think he for, will for a bit. Cause they, I think he's too hesitant with the puck sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's something that can easily be fixed.
0: So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Like you have two those. Either way, five on five. If you're rolling out one pair of cider, one pair of Edvinson. <laughs> that's literally like if you really wanted to, that could be 50 minutes of your five on five. Literally. Um. Also, like I think yeah, Gus Lindstrom recently too. I've been a huge fan. Like I think <laughs> he keeps getting better and better too. I loved the on uh our, uh. No, Sider's goal. Like and it originally, it was credited to Lindstrom on the assist, but like obviously he wasn't out there. Yeah, just yeah, Lindstrom. To him. Yeah, Lindstrom is just uh, he's just uh, easy, easy as she goes. Defenseman, just quick up, out of the zone, shut down, plays defensively, quick, easy. Um. Yeah. Also, yeah, Rasmussen gets the empty netter, which is kind of funny because Yandel threw the stick. That was hilarious. And Rasmie kind of just pushed it in. It was funny. I just remember doing um, that in,
1: like, pond hockey all the time. You just throw your stick.
0: Yeah, it was a pond hockey move for sure. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, yeah, Yandel. Yeah, he had a nice goal, too. That one on Grice, too. Grice had no chance. Like, yeah. The same, the same thing with the Bertuzzi goal. It was just a screen. No, chance. That was a really good screen. I would have liked Nemesnikov to break up that pass. That was my only complaint about that play. It was right through his feet other than yeah. that like it's just a power play goal like I don't really see any other mistakes with it to be honest um yeah. But yeah overall like good good weekend for sure I think there's a lot of things ready to build off but obviously the next seven games are just killer after killer I'm pretty sure it's Carolina the Rangers Minnesota two Florida teams and I think I'm missing someone else that's really good the Hurricanes might be in there too I said the Hurricanes oh you did yeah, I'm missing one other team. I don't know, I don't know who it is, but um, yeah. Either way, like it's gonna be a really good test, is what we talked about with this team and everything. Say Colorado. Yeah. Oh, I did not say Colorado. That is that is a big one. <laughs> yeah, this it's gonna be fun. Couple of weeks
1: with all these good teams.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I mentioned quickly that Nemestov wasn't skating today. I think it's from. Am I cutting out right now? No, okay. I can hear him. I can hear it my my headphones for a second. I'm just about to make sure. Um, but yeah. So Nemeskov didn't skate today, and I think it's from that shop lock that he had in the at the end of the Philly game. I don't know if you remember that on the PK. I don't he know. Took, he, he took one to the leg, and he, it took him a while to get back up. So maybe he's just like a deep bruise kind of thing. He just didn't skate today. and Maybe he goes tomorrow. I don't know. Um, but yeah, either way. Uh, but we're gonna get into a, a fun topic that I've been. Everyone on online's been looking forward to having this conversation. I'm looking forward to having this conversation. It's just fun, but uh, Verona, he's nearing a return. He's a meeting with the surgeon. I think next week is what he said, mid February. So I'm assuming he means this week. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, where do you see him as best fit on this team right now?
1: Uh, well, it's kind of a hard judgment because of the surgence of the Guelph line, I don't really think you can break that up. There's two options, really. In my eyes, I don't think you can play with Rasmussen. Yeah, it's just, just makes no sense. So okay. it's either you move up Valeno or you bump Zadina back down and throw Veron on the first line because that might help the first line's production over Zadina there, which I think it will. Uh, Verona's gonna produce more than Zadina will. That's just a fact, almost. But unless you wanna keep Zadina on this fast track to keep gaining confidence, unless you think he's confident enough to go play back down on the third line and try to keep him going down there. Because I, I do think he's gaining confidence right now. It's just whether you think he can do it by himself or with third liners right now. So it's a yeah, really so, weird spot.
0: Yeah, It's definitely an interesting situation where you have Zadina, who's starting to find his game on the first line. Obviously the Guelph line has been probably the Red Wings best offensive line for sure yep. in w- recent weeks. Uh, and then the third line, it seems like Blash is a huge fan of keeping them together. So I, I, I kind of like mix these because I'm writing an article right now about, about this. I have five options. And I like, I write about what's good about it and what's bad about it. Cause so I'm making the argument and the argument against it just for purposes. Like, I don't necessarily like, not all of these are going to happen. Right. It's just like, I'm seeing what would best fit. Um, but yeah, like Blasio seems pretty married, but like, obviously, Veronica's not going to play in the fourth line. That's not, no. it's not gonna be a thing. Yeah. So how I kind of see it, I see the most realistic line being the top line with Larkin and Raymond. um, Obviously, with his scoring ability and all of that, like he's able to score it, and like just like that one shot. I mean, Vorona shot at twenty five percent when he joined the Red Wings last year. Crazy, probably not a realistic clip, but also like you can see that. Like, I mean, obviously, well, what was, Mat- what was the
1: stat? He was third in five on five scoring.
0: Yeah, only Austin Matthews and Ovechkin have have scored more goals at even strength than Vorona. He's averaging one point two goals per sixty minutes of even strength play. Yeah. Which is crazy. And his ice time went up significantly when he joined Detroit. Like he was less than 14 all year. And then he was 17, 17 minutes when joining Detroit. So I think there's definitely like, if you do mathematically, like where he's gonna get the most minutes, he's gonna score more, score more goals. Right. That's just easy math. Um, But to go back on the Rasmussen thing. uh, I hate to br- Raspison was his second most common line mate last year when he joined the Red Wings.
1: I know. And I don't think that should be a thing.
0: I mean, he was able to produce, he was able to produce with Rasmussen. And I think there's, I think Rasmussen did play better with Verona on his line. I do want to mention that. Um, and I think like a short-term fit of Nemes- like Nemestikov, Rasmussen, Verona could work for a couple games if you're still wondering to get his timing down. You know what I mean? With power play time, like he still should be getting a ton of power play time. Like get his, get his minutes still up over 15 minutes, but like even strength, I understand if you want to take it easy on him a little bit. But like Vrana's biggest thing when he joined the Red Wings is how excited he was to finally play in a top six role. And I don't see it beneficial for him playing in a third line role.
1: is isn't. I, I, I do think ultimately the best case or best thing to do is bump Sedina down.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, there was a couple other options. Like, and I think they're on, un- like, especially like I, I made these before the games and now with the Guelph line, how they're going, I think they're unrealistic, but I think they could work. I should prefer like, hear me out, like, let's take let's take out how the Guelph line is doing right now and just go from how we think these would work, right? So, Fabry, Suter, Verona. I'm not super crazy about it, but the ability to drive offense, and I know at the beginning of the season, or recently, when Verona starts getting in, Blasio said that was the plan, was to have Verona with Suter. So, I think this is the line we would have been seeing right away. So, here's my question with that line.
1: Fabry's taken enormous steps since Bertuzzi becoming his linemate because of the hound effect. They're both hounds, or they can be hounds. It depends who Bertuzzi's playing with. Like I said, he can fit in almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. I just don't see a benefit with Verona there because Verona's not going to be a hound. He's a floater. He floats in the Ozone and waits for shooting opportunities. Mm. That's just That's how he plays, and he's going to score goals, lots of goals. So I think you need to play him with, with someone that's going to be there and be a very possessive pairing with him, where I think Larkin and Raymond are a really good fit with him, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: My other option for like that second line, if you're really set on having Zadina on the first line or how well he's playing, you knock down Fabry, you put Bertuzzi in that second line winger spot with Verano. Because that sense, you have that hound. Who's able to, he's shown that he's able to drive play by playmaking. And Verona is able to, he's a just natural finisher like Bertuzzi. And you have more defensive sound, because I mean Fabry's one of the worst defensive forwards on the Red Wings. That's just that's a fact. So you get for that, for that other line, there's definitely a worry. That's my biggest worry with that line. It's not if they're gonna put up points, it's how many goals they're gonna let in. With Bertuzzi, you have Bertuzzi and Suter who are both very sound defensively. And Verona, who's he's you're right, he is a bit of a floater. But you have that and you have that breakaway speed. Like, they can make quick ups and go with that. And also, in-zone possession-wise, be really good.
1: Yeah. That just, like you said, that depends if you're willing to split up the Guelph line. Because I do think Bertuzzi's a big change from having Fabry there in a Mm. good way. Yep. I'm not downing Fabry. Fabry plays well with the right players. Yep. I agree. They have to be very, like, puck possession and puck control almost. And they have to be quick, quick, quick and moving all the time. That's where... Fabry and Bertuzzi just work off each other, and Suter's really good at finding open space and creating passing plays. He's almost like a captain of that line and just sets stuff up. Where I do think Verona would benefit from playing with like with a guy like Bertuzzi. It's just really interesting the spot that they're in. You never see like a plethora of forwards where you don't know where to plug someone in the
0: lineup, and it's it's a nice luxury to be in right now. Yeah, mostly like my only really concern, like it'd be like really easy if Zadina was still slumping, right? Yep, very easy. The easy plug, easy plug in, right? Like I wouldn't even be writing. This well, I wouldn't people. say that he's not still
1: slumping. There's still kinks, like lots of kinks that they're trying to work out. But it's if you want to keep trying to work those out, because this could be really beneficial for the future if you let him keep working this out, or if you think he's ready enough to just go play on a third line
0: now. Right. And this kind of like brings me to another option is if you're set on having Verona be on a third line, try and make it a skill line. That's what I mean. But that's my, my only thing with that is Blashell's really shown that he's against that. He wants that third line shut down. but like also like, and again, like you didn't have to worry about how much ice time they're getting. Cause so I suggested also you knock down Zadina back with Verona. And I know that's like a thing that's been overblown is their connection and whatnot last year, but still, it really was. Say, yeah. You still can't say, like, there might be something there, right? Two skill guys, and then you can throw – like, I think – And they're both Czech. I don't know.
1: Like, how I, fun How fun would a line be of Valeno, Zadina, Verana, and then you put
0: Nemestikov back up on the first line? That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. And you have, like, Rasmussen, Gagne, Smith, or Ernie. Yeah, that whoever. just won't happen, though. I know. That's that's why I, I'm trying to keep this, like, article realistic – And these options realistic. So that's why I had Rasmussen between Zidane and and, uh, Verona. Because I still don't think it's a set thing that Valeno is even up past the deadline. Yeah. Because you look at Stevens is going to get healthy. Rowney's going to get healthy. You're running out of roster spots. It makes no sense not to have him up. I know. He's been way too good. I I think. I don't know what's going to
1: happen because I know like we've talked about, he just does not want to split up the third line. So that's where he make it makes it really interesting, and you're not gonna play him on the fourth line. So, what is he gonna do? Move Zadina to the fourth line and put Brown on the first. That's yeah. I honestly don't know what he's gonna do because, of he loves that third line for, some reason when they show up one night out of every ten games, seven yeah. games maybe. I, I I don't part of that, that kind of stresses me out because these are two guys you need to have. Be able to get going is Verona and Zadina. So you have to be really thinking about this, and I hope they are. And this is where I hope Tangay really comes into play. And he's like, "Here, we need this. Zadina is just getting going. You need to keep him going. And then we yep. need Verona's
0: all offense. We need to find him offensive players." I'm like, I'm really quick to like. I think like in the top six, like I know like is if Zadina's like, I'm not crazy about putting him on the third line again. To be honest, that's I, I know I'm not
1: either. But if you feel if you do do it, it has to be with like Valeno or something. Right. That's what I'm saying. So Valeno so, is becoming able to drive rushes and Sedina is can't could be very dangerous off the rush. He yeah, can become a player that can be dangerous off the rush.
0: Yeah, Yes. His ability like he's very good in entering his in with possession one of the better better red wings at that but what what he does after the fact is what he struggles with that's why jeff lashlow said like he needs to be a better give and go player yep because he can get entry in the zone but then he ends up turning it over and it's just it goes back the other way where in a sense if you have a valeno who has that speed and can keep up you can dish it back to valeno and carry it in with with possession yep. um, i mean he's he's been a rough five and
1: five player so I like think
0: maybe something like that could work would be Veron on the top line, but then you have Zadina with Bertuzzi and Suter. I don't know. Like, I'm out of the top six. I'd much rather Fabry in the third line, as a fit, personally. But I get that, like, how well he's playing with Bertuzzi makes that very difficult. That's what the big issue is. I mean,
1: ultimately, the best fit down on the third line right now would be Fabry or Bertuzzi. But obviously, you're not going to throw Bertuzzi down. No, because he's way too good offensively. But but like I said, Bertuzzi can fit in any role. I do think Fabry, besides Bertuzzi, would be the best fit down there. Yep. I, mean, yeah, I think. Or Zadina. Like, is it, I feel like Zadina has enough chemistry with those guys. It's just he can't do anything offensively, as we've seen.
0: Yeah, it's just a really interesting. I, wanna, I wonder if uh, Steve will have any input into this decision as well. I know, like, coaching, like, you're not really supposed to. But this is like this really impacts the future for the Red Wings. This move right here. Cause I mean you have Verana, who's was your biggest piece coming back from the Mantha trade and is young and could still it could factor into be a huge impact player. And is proven to be when he plays, he scores big numbers, right? Yeah. And Zadina, who's your sixth overall pick, and you need to figure out whether or not he's gonna stay or not, if he's part of the future or not. And this is the perfect opportunity to keep him in the top six and see how he does with really good players.
1: Yeah, so, and
0: you just so signed yeah. Fabry to a pretty long extension. Yeah, you can even do something like you go know, Verona Zadina Suter. Yeah, and I know, and mean, you did just sign Fabry to extension, it right as well. So there's plenty of things you got to balance here, and I think like I I said like a, a like I think the most realistic would be the first line, but another realistic is just throw Verona on the third line and tell someone Fabry, the t-
1: Fabry Zadina Suter. Then who do you bump down? No, 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 no. I, I, meant, uh, Verona, I meant Verona, Zadina, Suter. Verona's – oh, and then you bump Fabry down? Yeah. I just, like – there's three moving pieces here that I see in the top six, and it is Verona, Zadina, and Fabry. And like you said, we're, we got to keep Zadina on pace since he was our sixth overall pick in 2018. You got to try to figure him out because – that's a big piece either for trade value or in the future. Brana, he was a big piece in a trade and is a proven is proving that he's a really good goal scorer in the NHL. Just look at stats. Um, And then the other one's Fabry, who he just signed to four years, three years, three years. So. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I do think besides the first line, I think the, the third line option of just letting Verona play with Nemesnikov and Rasmussen to start with, that is realistic. And you do that for a couple games until someone messes up, or or the team goes cold, and you just do something to spark something. Yeah, I think that's realistic. Again, it's gonna be a, it's it's definitely gonna be a balancing act by Blashill to keep Verona's minutes up because I think he needs to be playing top six minutes. I just think that contradicts the whole defensive shutdown line.
1: Is <laughs> having it does. Verona, Verona or Fabry down there for that matter. Yeah, I agree. That's why Zadina is realistically the best fit down there. If you want that shutdown
0: line, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely a a fun conversation. At least, I mean, like this is a good problem to have. To have too many players that could be playing top six minutes, right? Yeah,
1: just kind um, of scary.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's gonna be. It's a big. It's a big choice for Jeffy Boy. But hey, that's what he makes a big bucks for. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk about stuff around the league, or you want to wrap it up quick? Either way, I think the Marchand one's fun. We can talk on that one quick. So Marchand did some Marchand things for Boston. He uh, we we both kind of saw this differently. I thought it was a suspension. I thought it should be in two or three games. One for the one for the punch to the back of Jari, one for the one for the poke to the to the chin. And then you know, and then maybe another one for just being being a general dick, you know, just attacks. So, so I, I, I settled on three games, but he ended up getting six, which is way more than I expected for sure. I know as soon as he got the in here, he got the in person hearing, which is a uh, guaranteed five games, basically, or the the option is to spend more than five games. I thought he was going to get dinged up. Um. Yeah, he's appealing it, and this is an interesting opportunity for the Red Wings if they want to keep ground because now the Bruins are down Marchand and, Bergeron and now to grass retired as well. I mean, they did win yesterday as well. The Bruins did two nothing over senators, but yeah, I don't know. What, what did you, what are your thoughts on the situation? Then maybe the Bruins it, themselves. Uh, I don't think the
1: Bruins are good. It's kind of a hot take ish. Not really. I think they have four good players, five good players. After that, I don't really think they're good. Besides, actually, and Linus Olmark, I think it's good. Mm. Um, Swayman could be good. I, I I just don't like the Bruins, to be honest with you. And I think, realistically, if, if by some chance, like the Red Wings can go on a tear here, and Verona comes back and they keep buzzing, I do see light at the end of the tunnel if this little stay, if the Bruins can go on a skid here. And they have a lot of away games coming up. It's yep. it's
0: it's a reach, but I don't know. Yeah, then you waited against the Red Wings schedule coming up. It's hard. It's hard it's to go tough. Of the Red Wings. Yep, yep. If and... you go five hundred on this next stretch, though,
1: that'd be good. Against all yeah, but you're not. Teams.
0: The issue is you're not you're not catching up on ground. Well, unless the Bruins, unless the Bruins. The Bruins are I lose. said
1: the Bruins need to skid. Yeah, they have a lot of away
0: to games coming up, and without Marshan and run, they could
1: definitely lose some.
0: Yeah, um, with the Marshan's appeal, I don't think Gary Bettman even looks at it because it it goes to Gary Bettman first, and technically, in, in the rules, there's no there's no like timeline to when the commissioner needs to review or appeal the review the appeal. So, in theory, he could just sit on that appeal and just not answer it, and just let the six games ride. Yeah, which I think is going to happen it's just an easy play for him. It's interesting cuz then you get like Marcus Polino who who got two games for kneeing sitting and like kneeling on someone's head. Yeah. Which arguably more dangerous play. Arguably. <laughs> Not arguably, that is more dangerous. Yeah. And kneeling someone's on someone's head. Dari deserved to get punched in the face. Yeah, it's a defenseless play but uh, yeah. yeah. Probably he was he was, like again he's asking for it a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely a <laughs> It's definitely funny how that all went down. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting how the Bruins end up doing in this because Bergeron has, still is not skating. So how they fill in, I mean, first, like, second line of DeBrusque, Coyle, and Craig Smith is interesting. Yeah. And then, or no, Trent Frederick was on the second line in the last game because they changed up lines. That's right. For, for uh, yesterday's game. But, yeah. Um, yeah, the Red Wings play tomorrow night versus, or tonight, if people are listening on Monday versus Minnesota. And then I think Thursday against the Rangers is what it is. So two pretty tough, uh, matchups, two very different teams as well. Yeah. I think the better, if people are going to, you know, use bet us and bet on the Red Wings, uh, the better money is betting, uh, for the Red Wings to beat the Rangers. Cause the Rangers do not know how to play defense.
1: Yeah, but they're stuck Uh,
0: But we might get Georgia for that game because we oh, know that's Red true. Wings. So I kind of like that. If, the, if I'm, gonna, the, I'm, I might, I might bet the Red Wings versus the Rangers. The Wild are so scary right now. I wouldn't. I'm not even touching that game. Yeah, I'll be rooting for the Red Wings, obviously. But I don't. I don't, I might take tough. take the over that game. <laughs> see, I don't know. I think I think Wild will lock it down a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be mean, like a three-one game. We'll see though yeah um but yeah thank you everyone for listening uh please support inside the rink our parent company uh use bet us and yeah subscribe if you haven't already and uh yeah be on the lookout for my new article with inside the rink that should be out uh, with this podcast so yeah thank you everyone for tuning in